Kathleen Lipscomb was a successful nurse living in San Antonio. She was well-liked and by all accounts seemed to be successful. That's why it was so shocking to her friends and family that she was found dead on the side of a country road in the summer of 1986. Almost immediately, police identified several potential suspects, but it wasn't until a private investigator uncovered an illegal black market hidden within the Air Force that Kathleen's killer could be identified. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Killing, Missing, Hidden. This is your old buddy Brad, former criminal defense attorney extraordinaire, and we have some very special guests today. We have the honor of being joined by two of the greats in the true crime podcasting world. The lovely ladies from a teacher in a crime scene tech walk into a bar, Ashley and Talia. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you for having us. Hi, we're so happy to be here. Yes, we're excited. We Hopefully that doesn't change over the course of this recording. <laughs> Well, I heard you and Ashley were talking bad about me being late, so, you know. In fairness, they were all facts. So. Okay, that's good. It's not mean if it's true. That's right. That's true. That's true. We so are just, known for being messy, so. Uh -huh. It's then kind of our trademark. Well. Yeah. Yes. Well, so just for my audience, Ashley, you're our teacher. Right? I am the teacher. I'm Until in Georgia and uh, actually just started my new position as a registered behavior technician. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and then, Talai, you are a future crime scene tech, correct? Yes. I graduate in August now because of COVID. It was supposed to be May, but now it's August. Boo. Oh so I know. So hopefully sometime this year I'll be working on crime scenes instead of just looking at them. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Getting your hands dirty. Yes. All right. So before we begin and we lose all our listeners, I was going to give y'all the floor and let y'all pimp your podcast as much as you want. So okay. have at it. All right. Well, we, like Brad said, we have a podcast, a teacher and a crime scene tech walk into a bar um, we used to drink, walk into a bar, but not so much anymore because it was just a lot. Um, <laughs> it's really hard to drink and effectively podcast. It is. It really is. But we have a wheel of murder that we spin every week that gives each of us a murder topic. Ashley, do you want to talk? I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking. <laughs> I was just letting you, wanna, I was just letting you like, go, I'm sister. So yeah, and we record weekly or bi-weekly sometimes if life gets in the way, so. Yep, um, yeah. that's about it. We like to, well, I was going to say drink and talk crime, but we don't do that anymore. So uh, <laughs> yeah. we like to just kind of uh, make jokes and talk crime. And mm -hmm. uh, you guys, the listeners, have suggested our categories for the Wheel of Murder. And yeah. We spin mm -hmm. it and the wheel decides Brad's going to be on our show soon. And the wheel gave him serial killers. Ooh. I'm excited nice. for that one. Mm -hmm. Nice, simple topic for a nice, simple boy. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like a wheel of murder. They have a wheel of murder. Wheel of murder. Yeah. I know. If that's not the greatest gimmick ever in podcast history, I don't know. <laughs> it and it actually looks like the 
Wheel, Wheel of Fortune, Fortune Wheel. Wheel too. So. Oh, it's all sparkly yeah. and shiny. Mm-hmm. I wish, but yeah. <laughs> it's kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now you're taking swipes at Wheel of Fortune. Good, good. <laughs> Here we are. Yes. So. All right. Well, before we begin, I think we should do one get to know you question. Okay. It's something that I've hired experts on. We've carefully crafted to delve deep into your personality. Oh, no. Okay. So our listeners can know you better. Okay. So here's what we've come up with. If you were a professional wrestler, what would be your entrance music? (gasps) Oh. This is hard. Um, Oh, man. This is a good question. I spent a lot of money on this. So I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) A lot of psychology experts. It, yeah, I had, a, I had to rent a conference room. Was- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay, okay, okay. I have it, but you cannot laugh. Okay, so I'm only four eleven, so I would do the Oompa Loompa song. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody would expect it that I'd be like a wrestling champion. <laughs> would Would you walk down the aisle with Oompa Loompas? Yeah. Because you would need a posse. Yeah, I would. Oompa Loompa posse. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that would be my choice. I think that would give you a huge psychological edge in your matches to Uh, have these uh, little (laughs) orange people all around the ring. Yes. The shock value would just be. I know. You can't can't buy that kind of shock. (laughs) You can add a lot of drama to it, too. I know there's a lot (laughs) of drama in wrestling. (laughs) I bet you there's a trap remix of the Oompa Loompas. (laughs) (laughs) Like one day I'll be engaged to one of the Oompa Loompas that walks me down. <laughs> and the next day we break up and like we're fighting each other. Oh, so oh. much drama. How could you so tell them apart? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's part I of the drama. That's where yeah, the confusion right. came from. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually why they broke up. <laughs> yes. Like I thought he was your I thought it was you. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I I cannot follow up an answer as good as that. Like, yeah. what? You shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have let her go first. I shouldn't have. Now I'm screwed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, I got nothing. Come on. My my really? my gut says every day I'm hustling. <laughs> <laughs> it's so typical. Either that. What? You could do like a remixed uh, preschool song. Baby Shark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could do Baby, Baby shark. shark, the Trap Remix. remix. Yes. yes. And I will come out in the costume that I wore to school this Halloween, which was Mama Shark with a pink tutu, a Mama Shark shirt and a pink tutu. Oh my Very God. Nice. That's so cute. Yeah, my co teacher was Baby Shark. She had a yellow shirt and a yellow tutu. That is so cute. <laughs> I I can only fear what our listeners are imagining at this point. I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm imagining like the shark from um, the Katy Perry halftime performance. That's what I was thinking. With the pink doo on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yellow left shark. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm so excited right now. <laughs> I think you'll have your second careers figured out. I think we podcasting do. gig doesn't work. I think we do. This yeah. is number three on the list, but you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we have the jobs that make us money. 
the dream job of podcasting. And if that doesn't work out, yellow left shark for you sure. You got yeah. this. Yeah. And Oompa Loompas. Wow. <laughs> 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 what if we had to fight each other like that? Oompa Loompa versus left shark tonight <laughs> on pay-per-view. <laughs> Lots of people would pay. Brad, would you pay to see that? I'm still processing. <laughs> he's like, I, I don't know. Why did I ask you to be on this show? That's what he's asking himself. That's what he's processing in his brain right now is what has yeah. he done to his own podcast? Right, right. Why would I do this to myself? <laughs> this uh, may be a point of no return. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'm just stuck with the Oompa Loompas running around the ring, tormenting. <laughs> Tormenting your opponent. Mm-hmm. Right, well, um, I'm going to pretend like we didn't talk about that and uh, <laughs> move on to our story. Okay. So this one's awfully forensic heavy. So Ooh, that's for I like you it. to lie. Uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything that was teacher heavy for you, Ashley. It's okay. So I tried to be fair, but this was the best I could do. <laughs> I'm not offended. It's okay. Okay, good. Because I wouldn't want to be chased by a shark in a tutu. I know. <laughs> I know you're scared. Yeah. No, that's going to be in my nightmares tonight. <laughs> so, all right. So we go back to 1986. And on June 9th, a motorist was passing through the back roads of San Antonio when he noticed something odd on the side of the road. He pulled over to investigate and found, of course, a body. Never investigate. <laughs> no. I just assume all bags and I do too. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to get wrapped up in it. Yep. So the body turned out to be that of a 30-year-old nurse by the name of Kathleen Lipscomb. Police were quickly able to determine that she had possibly been sexually assaulted before being strangled and dumped on the side of this country road. Mm. Kathleen was married to Bill Lipscomb, a member of the Air Force, who had made a name for himself by being promoted to Master Sergeant faster than anyone else in Air Force history. They had been married for over eight years and were raising two children. While Kathleen was known as a career nurse and was very sweet and uh, well-liked, Bill was much more driven and career-focused, to put it nicely. And his determination to be the best at everything was causing some friction at home because he didn't leave these expectations at the local base. This caused Kathleen to grow a bit frustrated with Bill's demanding nature, and she had actually filed for divorce several weeks before. Hmm. Now, Bill refused to sign any agreement because he insisted on having primary custody of the kids, and she wouldn't agree. But as a compromise while they worked through their issues, Kathleen kept the children during the week and Bill had them on the weekend. Now, this was not a marriage where there was hope of them getting back together because both had moved on. Kathleen had started dating a rich young doctor at the hospital she worked at, a fellow by the name. Yes. (laughs) Well, you think so. Uh Oh, Oh, oh no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Nefarious characters. Oh, we have a lot in this story. So. (laughs) Kathleen began dating a Dr. David Pearl, and even though he was married, he was separated, just like Kathleen, and was about to begin the divorce process. Meanwhile, Bill had his own, I guess, technically affair since they were still legally married, and he had started seeing a woman by the name of Shannon Gilbert, who was a fellow airman at the Air Force Base. So, even though these two had agreed to divorce, 
and had found new romantic partners, they were entrenched in this bitter war over the custody of the kids. And somewhat surprising, Kathleen had filed for divorce the year before, but dismissed the case because Bill snatched up the kids and just left the state. <sighs> Bill sounds yeah. like a real winner. Yeah. We all want to be Bill. <laughs> Setting the bar high. That's right. Yeah. Now, the surprising part of this was the fact that a year later, Bill is much more cooperative when it comes to the divorce proceedings. Now, of course, because of their marital issues, police viewed Bill as the primary suspect in Kathleen's case. Now, when police went to question Bill, he claimed that he was with his kids all night. He went to drop the kids off at Kathleen's apartment because this was a Sunday when she was assumed to have been murdered, but she wasn't at home. So he left a note and took the kids back to his house to spend the night. Police inspected Bill and found they had no defensive wounds, no unusual injuries. He didn't have anything under his fingernails even. Plus, both the kids verified Bill's story. Now, one huge red flag that we see in all spousal murder cases, Bill had increased the life insurance policy on Kathleen up to $300,000. Oh, Bill. Yeah. Now, police next spoke to Dr. Pearl since he had a relationship with Kathleen, or they tried to. Dr. Pearl was very evasive, refused to speak, demanded his attorney was present. And so they literally left him sitting in an interrogation room for over an hour until his attorney could show up. During his talk with the police, with his attorney there, he admitted to spending time with Kathleen during that weekend when she was murdered, but denied having anything to do with the murder. The two had a sexual relationship, but it's unclear if they had relations before Kathleen's death. He didn't want to talk about that. Yeah. Police did learn that Dr. Pearl hadn't been entirely truthful with Kathleen about the status of his marriage. Uh -huh. He was not separated from his wife, and there were no plans for divorce. Oh, my he, goodness. <laughs> yes. He was using this as a way to keep Kathleen to stay with him. And speaking to other staff at the hospital, investigators learned that this was common for Dr. Pearl. Oh, what a winner. Yes. Mm -hmm. Another one. A new nurse or new doctor would come on the scene and he would seduce them and feed them the line and tried to live a bit of a playboy lifestyle as much as he could while being married. Now, there were rumors going around that Kathleen was really frustrated with this situation and she had threatened to go to his wife if he didn't begin divorcing her soon. So that gives us our second suspect. Mm-hmm. Now, while they were poking around about Dr. Pearl, police learned of a fella by the name of Vincent Robidoux. Mr. Robidoux was a nurse at the same hospital as Kathleen, and oddly, he went missing the same day Kathleen was found dead. Suspicious. Very suspicious. Yeah. To add to it, he lived in the exact same apartment complex Kathleen did. Mm, the plot thickens. Yes. Now, Robidoux left in such a hurry... He didn't pick up his last paycheck. He didn't tell anyone where he was going. He effectively disappeared from the city. And in looking into his background, he had a history of jumping from job to job and moving from city to city. So he could call him a bit of a drifter. 
And the majority of his co-workers didn't describe him in very good terms. They said he was kind of shady and creepy and <laughs> and kind of yucky. <laughs> so that's suspect number three. Police also learned from Kathleen's neighbors that the day Kathleen's body was found, there was a mysterious redheaded woman who entered into Kathleen's apartment and exited. Now, in fairness to the story, the way the apartments were built, you couldn't actually see if somebody went into somebody else's door. You could only see them kind of enter to where the door would be. Hmm. But she apparently hung around long enough that neighbors felt like she had gone inside and then left. So whose wife has red hair? I know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yep. <laughs> yep. So. What if she was just delivering something? What if she was just the Uber Eats driver? Okay? <laughs> right. As much as I eat Uber Eats, that, and I work for Uber Eats too. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> so we start off here with three main known suspects and then this fourth unknown suspect. So we'll talk about the crime scene now because that gives us some clues. Mm-hmm. Kathleen was found undressed, laying on the side of the road. Her legs were bent in a somewhat, I wouldn't want to say unusual, but in a way that didn't match the rest of her body. Mm. It's like her upper torso was more in a sleeping pose, while her legs were kind of more in a crisscross applesauce type position. Interesting. The forensic nerds noted that her legs were riddled with ant bites. And there was evidence that she had engaged in adult relations within 24 hours of her death. And most interesting, they found four red hairs on her body. <gasps> what? Oh, the Uber Eats driver. <laughs> it was also noteworthy to investigators that her clothes were left at the scene, but they weren't just thrown in a haphazard manner and they weren't folded up. They were rolled. And what type of person is used to rolling their clothes rather than folding? Someone in the military. military. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So that points a finger at Bill. Hmm. Hmm. There were no footprints, tire tracks, or other evidence left at the scene. Kathleen's vehicle was found at a restaurant not far from her apartment. Forensic teams went through the entire car but found nothing noteworthy. When the medical examiner looked at Kathleen's body, he was able to pinpoint a time of death. Uh, The contents of her stomach were mostly not digested, so he felt like she was killed shortly after she ate dinner. The Emmy also found the ant bites to be significant because he said ants are typically not active at night. Mm -hmm. So he concluded that Kathleen was dumped on the side of the road before dawn. Mm. So he could narrow down the... Time of death to sometime Sunday evening to early Monday morning. And that gave police a nice tight window to work with. A trace evidence examiner studied the four hairs that were found on Kathleen's body and found some peculiarities. You think I would pick a word I could say? We also struggle with that word. (laughs) I had that same issue when we did uh, our episode on Lizzie Borden. I was trying to say her behavior was peculiar, 
And I've never been able to say I it. I couldn't say it. And so then I just got mad and I said she was just weird AF when the cops <laughs> got there. Yes, I remember that moment. And here I am recreating it. <laughs> so these odd hairs, shall we say, there was no roots on them. So he, the examiner theorized that they had been cut off rather than pulled off or naturally falling. Second, the hair was dyed red, which matched that mystery suspect, but none of the other known suspects. Third, and most importantly, the hairs did not match either Bill or Dr. Pearl. Now, this was at a time when genetic testing wasn't really available to forensic investigators. So we have these hairs, but they tend to raise more questions than provide answers. There was DNA recovered from Kathleen's body and it contained sperm. Now, Bill had had a vasectomy, so this suggested it was unlikely to be him. Sadly, though, the DNA sample was mishandled and oh. could not be tested. Ah, I always get so frustrated. <laughs> yes. Talia so, will never make that mistake once she's I a hope not. <laughs> yes. I'll try hard not to. <laughs> It makes everybody's life easier when you have a complete picture of the actual evidence. That's right. Mm -hmm. At this stage, the investigation kind of goes, I guess, into purgatory. Nothing much happens for about the next year or so. So Kathleen's family gets frustrated and hires a private investigator. And the investigator was actually able to find two important clues that police had missed. This investigator went through all of Kathleen's personal records meticulously, including several day planners, calendars, diaries, anything that could have information that could help. And in one of the calendars, the investigator found it odd that Kathleen noted she had attended a baseball tournament and ran into Shannon Gilbert, Bill's girlfriend. So why would she feel compelled to note this on the calendar is the question he asked. The second clue he found was a note Kathleen had written apparently to herself that suggested Bill had cheated on his exam and actually was involved in running a bit of a black market for selling answers to the exam that Air Force personnel have to take to qualify for promotions. Whoa. Hmm. And he wasn't getting his hand just on some questions. He managed to get his hands on the actual test every time it was given. So because of this, it's clear that he had some connections in the higher up in the Air Force that were willing to sell the test to him for money. And at that point, the private investigator takes this information not only to the police, but also to the Air Force. And it's the Air Force who really helps break this case open because obviously they're concerned about the fraudulent testing that's going on here. So the Air Force's Office of Special Investigations started digging around and they contributed a forensic psychologist to the investigation who is kind of the hero in this tale. Mm. And we'll get to what he does because he was one bad mammer jammer. <laughs> um, they showed it. He looked at the crime scene photos. 
And he determined that Kathleen's body was not just dumped on the side of the road by the killer. He was of the opinion that the killer had someone else do it mm-hmm. because of the way the body was positioned. He said that most people, when they kill, if they know the victim, will try to cover up the body in some way. They'll leave it with some dignity. Here she's just bare butt naked out in the middle of the road. He also believed that based on the way Kathleen's legs were set, that she had probably been stored in some sort of small space before being left on the road. Oh, that makes sense. I could not for the life of me think of why she, her legs would be crisscrossed. Yes. Yeah. Rigor mortis. Exactly. Seven. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and the psychologist also opined that the crime scene was staged to make it look more like a rape and a murder, whereas in his opinion, it was just a straight up murder. Mm-hmm. And he had a strong opinion about who the murderer was. He thought it was Bill. Now, I didn't find any direct explanation for how the psychologist reached this conclusion. But it seems that Bill's controlling and driven nature, coupled with the threat Kathleen posed to his career, probably helped form his thinking. Mm -hmm. During this time, we have another break in the case. Kathleen and Bill's then nine-year-old daughter, who was staying with her grandparents, went to her grandma and said that she lied to the police. <gasps> that her dad told her to tell the police that they went out, that they were with their dad, when in fact, the dad's best friend, a fellow by the name of Clint Richards, took the kids to McDonald's for a time the evening oh that Kathleen suffered her fate. He is not looking too good at this point. No, no he's not. Mm-mm. I'm going to note at this point that a lot of materials refer to his best friend as Clint Richards, but some sources name him as Tony Borello. I don't know why we have two such totally different names, mm-hmm. but if you see the mix up, that's where it comes from. The daughter also said that she woke up in the middle of the night to go see her dad because she had a nightmare. And dad wasn't home. She looked out the window and dad's car was gone. Now, when the police started doing their investigation, they spoke with a drill instructor in the Air Force who was known to be good friends with Bill. And she claimed during a tear-filled interview that she had an affair with Bill and that he had on one occasion expressed a desire to get rid of his wife so he could be with the drill instructor. Was she a redhead by chance? It did not say. Oh. So I'm assuming not. Okay. (laughs) Now, meanwhile, during this time, police were able to eliminate two of our four suspects. Vincent Rabideau was found living in Galveston, Texas. When he was interviewed, he explained that He abandoned San Antonio because he had a really nasty breakup with his boyfriend and decided that for his emotional health, he just needed a clean start. So he dropped everything and moved back home with his parents in Galveston until he could get on his feet and start his own life there. All right. The mysterious redhead woman was identified (laughs) and discovered. And it turns out she was one of Kathleen's co-workers 
Okay. She had gone by the apartment to check on Kathleen because it wasn't like her to miss work and not call. Okay. Well, there goes my theory of what happened. Uber Eats. <laughs> That's <I> right. <laughs> um, of course, she said she was never in the apartment. Forensic investigators found no evidence she was in the apartment, and all of her coworkers vouched for her, saying that she was the one who volunteered to go check on her. So this just leaves us with Bill and still Dr. Pearl. At this point, police couldn't eliminate Dr. Pearl. But they were convinced that Bill was the more likely suspect. So with the help of the forensic psychologist, they decided to set a little trap for him. Hmm. First, they kind of let it slip during an interview with Bill that the nine-year-old had shared her, her her mistake your kid dimed you out bro yeah yeah it's always your kids <laughs> <laughs> and of course they had a very solid motive for bill wanting to kill kathleen since she was very close to totally destroying the career he worked so hard to build the problem was they didn't have much evidence beyond that. and so they decided they needed to get more to make this case stick which is very smart. I've seen too many police officers that jump the gun, rely solely on the motive, and then the defendant gets a good defense attorney and the case doesn't go well. Right. I mean, if I was defending this dude, I would be screaming up and down that, look, Dr. Pearl was the last person to see her alive. We know that Dr. Pearl and Kathleen were having relations. We know Kathleen had sex with somebody before she died, and it couldn't have been Bill if there was sperm in what they found. Mm -hmm. They couldn't match the DNA with anybody because police screwed up collecting it. Mm -hmm. And if police are being that sloppy with how they're connect collecting something as valuable as DNA evidence, how sloppy are they being on the rest of the investigation? Right. That's a good point. Further, these red hairs clearly were not from Bill. But they're being ignored because they don't fit the police's theory of the case. Right. They're picking on Bill because he's the easiest target. And the whole idea that Bill was selling these exams to other people and using it to further his career, where's the evidence of that? None of that has been produced. All we have is his ex-wife using it to blackmail him. Right. Mm -hmm. And she would certainly have a very strong motive to do so because it would give her custody of the children in divorce. Yes. So if there's ever a case where you could build reasonable doubt, I think this would be a very good candidate for that. Mm -hmm. But again, fortunately they didn't jump the gun. They went, they went and did some more work. So what the psychologist recommended they do is slowly put mental pressure on Bill. They started off, like I said, by slipping that their nine-year-old daughter had mentioned something about him not being home. Then they aggressively interviewed Bill's girlfriend, Shannon Gilbert, and his best friend, Clint Richards. And during those, invest during those interviews, the police would tell Bill, we're talking to your friend, we're talking to your girlfriend, they're giving us information, are you sure you don't want to come clean? The sooner you do, the better it's going to be for you. And this approach worked, but in a very unexpected way. Bill never cracked, but Clint 
Richards did. During this time period, he had been dishonorably discharged from the Air Force. I couldn't find out for what. And that had kind of thrown his life off kilter. He had lost direction. And in the course of this darkness he was in, he decided that the best thing he could do was focus on his spiritual development. So he started spending a lot of time at church, reading the Bible, praying, meditating, and trying to become a better person. And part of this process caused him to develop a conscience which said you need to confess to what you've done. So he did. He went to the police and confessed that he knew what happened to Kathleen and that he was involved in her death. <laughs> he said Bill's daughter was telling the truth. He did take the kids to McDonald's that Sunday night. And his purpose in doing this was allow, to allow Bill to meet with Kathleen in private at his house so they could try to talk about the divorce. Apparently, the talk didn't go so well. Bill got a little bit angry. And Bill ended up snapping and choking Kathleen to death. <gasps> Bill, in a panic, asked Richards for help. And he agreed that Kathleen's body could be stored in his cedar chest that was empty in the attic. Oh, gross. No. I hate yeah. that. Yeah. I don't have a friend that good. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, would you keep a body? <laughs> I would briefly consider the idea, but I don't know that I would do it for you. <laughs> I think, yeah, same. I'd yeah. be like, sure. And then I'd think about it and be like, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you tell your kids if they open that up and find a body inside, oh, you know? <laughs> that is pure nightmare Yeah, fuel. that's horror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's going to be a lifetime of therapy is what that's going to be. <laughs> are, you, are you saying that that's what happens, though? No. Oh, okay. I, I don't think okay. Clinton had any kids. Okay. I'm just God. thinking about my own life. So yeah. later that night, uh, sometime after midnight, Bill went over to Richard's house. They were virtually neighbors. And asked Richards if he could dump Kathleen's body because Bill just couldn't bring himself to do it. So Richards did and tried to stage the scene to make it look like somebody had raped her and left her on the side of the road, just like the psychologist said. Shockingly, because criminals are oh so smart, <laughs> Clint still had the chest. Oh my God. <laughs> And when police looked at it, guess what was at the bottom of the chest? Um, something gross. Red hair. Bloggedly fluids. Some of Kathleen's blood. Ooh. So they were able to easily take a sample of that, match it to Kathleen, and confirm that she was in the chest. Something gross. Some kind of bodily fluid. <laughs> I was thinking like some like, like decomp. You, I've talked about it on a teacher in a crime scene tech. You're oozing and yeah. slipping and a lot Slipid. of stuff happens. Well, <laughs> so. fortunately, you know, she wasn't there very long. Mm -hmm. So all that dripped out was some blood from her nose, I believe. Okay. So the police then go back to Gilbert, talk to her and say, we kind of know what happened. What gaps can you fill in? 
And she agreed to talk to the police, but on the condition that they protect her from Bill. She was very scared of him. She said that Bill confessed to her that he killed Kathleen because he knew that if she ever spoke to the police, he was toast. Mm -hmm. Because of her fear and her cooperation, police were able to secure Shannon Gilbert a spot in witness protection. So she now lives off God knows where under some new name. Mm -hmm. Wanting to make this case as airtight as possible, police brought in Bill for questioning again. Now, every time the investigators and detectives had interviewed Bill and he just said, I don't, I don't know what happened. I was with my kids. I can't help you. Blah, blah, blah. This time they let the psychiatrist. Ooh. Yes. And Bill started the interview very confident, very defiant. But he started to become a little shaken when the psychologist kind of let it slip that Gilbert was scared of him. And Richards admitted to having the kids for a spell. And he spent this entire talk slowly releasing information like that mm. to the point that Bill went from being this cocky SOB to literally shaking in his seat. And when the psychologist finally felt the moment was right, he said, you killed your wife, didn't you? And Bill said, yeah. And then instantly touched up and said, no, I mean, no, I didn't kill her. <gasps> I never him. killed her. But he's on video. He's on audio recording saying he killed Kathleen. And that was it. The police had Bill confessing on tape. They had his accomplice confessing. They had his bill for, I'm sorry, his girlfriend speaking against Bill. They had Kathleen's blood. They had the kids saying that they were left alone the night Kathleen died. And they had a heck of a motive for Bill to kill Kathleen. So Bill was arrested and charged with her murder. Uh, he eventually accepted a plea deal where he received life in prison instead of facing the death penalty. Gilbert, like I said, was taken into witness protection. And one thing that surprised me a lot is Richards was not prosecuted for his role in the murder. What? Not even as an accessory? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did he cut a deal? I never, I never found any evidence that he formally agreed to such. It was described as he was so cooperative the prosecution decided, I guess, to be extra generous and not prosecute him for the crime. He got so lucky. Yeah, yeah I've never seen that happen in my career. That's insanity. Mm -hmm. Good good for old Clint there. <laughs> yeah. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Hopefully he's learned his lesson. So there's still one bit of evidence that there wasn't an answer to. I'm going crazy about it. I'm dying like, what are you doing? about the red hair. The red I know, hairs. Me too. That's why, yeah. The red hairs were collected by Richards and left on the body in an effort to throw the police's investigation off. But where did they come from? Just like random hairs? I don't know. It, he didn't say. He just said he collected them. So I, if he had a girlfriend. Off or... someone's shirt in the supermarket? <laughs> like, <laughs> that really quick. Yeah, I don't know. But Weird. somehow he had access to red hair. Okay. 
And that's that. So we've got Bill in jail forever. We've Good. got Richard's yeah. doing his own thing out in the world. Gilbert's living a new life in witness protection. That big old Air Force scam was uncovered and cleaned up. And if you're interested, Forensic Files did an episode on this case called True Lies. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, they did not do a great job with this one, but... <laughs> Were the reenactments, like, so amazing? Well, first of all, they always are yep. because it's Forensic Files. Yeah, but, that's the best um, part. No, they just glossed over a lot of the parts that I found interesting, like the red hairs. Uh -huh. um, that's the most weird part of the whole case. <laughs> I know. And, and it was just kind of a footnote to them. Weird. Huh. That's our case. What do y'all think about it? Well, that, that was a crazy one. I've never heard of it. I've never before. heard that one either. Dang. Um, yeah, the red hairs are just killing me. But <laughs> you can't get over it. Yeah. Also, I, I thought the redheaded woman would be Bill's girlfriend who helped mm -hmm. dispose of her body. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, that's what I, I was like, oh. That's exactly what I thought when I was going through the case. That was my first yeah. instinct. Also, it just sucks because Kathleen was just in this soup of like toxic men. I know. And uh, I don't know. But Hopefully, I don't know that she was a total saint when she's. No, I'm sure not. But like Bill and what's her what's his bucket her other boyfriend were just real winners in this world Paul. oh yeah i don't know yeah the doctor yeah yeah she didn't select men very no well. i feel bad about it actually yeah, yeah. dang that was a good and one. i think it's mm -hmm. i think this is a good case that highlights what divorce does to people mm -hmm. it kind of brings out the worst yeah they temporarily lost their marbles over who was going to get custody of their kids. Right. Was, yeah, especially when it comes to kids and kids mm -hmm. are involved. Yeah, and the end result is the kids now have neither parent. Exactly. That's terrible. Nightmare. And I'm going to tell a quick unrelated story. When sorry, when was this when did this happen? 86, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So it's a little bit of an older one. But uh the last divorce I ever handled because it just ticked me off so much was between two adults who both were high earners mm. and they agreed on everything. It was remarkable. They agreed how to split up their bank accounts, how to divide up the properties they own, who got the beach condo, who got the, I think they had a place at the lake, how to divide up all their cars, their boats, all that mess. Okay. Even the dogs. They figured out how to buy up the dogs, which is always a sticking point. Yeah. <laughs> but the agreement almost fell apart because they got in a giant pissing contest over the patio furniture at their condo. What? Now, Was this is out of gold. Like... No, no. <laughs> you know, Ashley, I know you know this. You know how every hotel on the Gulf Coast has that same white plastic furniture? That they put on their patio. That's what they were fighting over? That's what they had. That's what they were fighting over. You could get that set at Walmart for like no money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You could pick it up on Marketplace for free. I know. I <laughs> finally got so ticked off at my client. I set her down. 
And I pulled up a hundred dollar bill and gave it to her and said, just, just buy yourself just take it. some new crappy furniture, yeah. but sign the stamp agreement. And I think that shamed her into doing it. I don't understand. Wow. Like the dog is fine. You take that one. I'll right. take this one. Yeah. The beach house. The lake furniture? house. Yeah. Our hundred thousand dollar savings account. You can have it. It's fine. The patio furniture though, over God. my right. dead body. This is the hill I die on. I would be concerned. What if something was hidden, hidden the cushions or something? Like, <laughs> but she showed me a picture of it. It's literally just that plastic wrap that doesn't even have cushions on it. And I just could Whoa. not figure I'm out so why. I'm so baffled. I know, but that's what divorce does to people. That is insane. It's like they just needed something to argue over. That's it. Everything has gone so smoothly. So you know what? Screw you and this patio furniture. I'm fighting for this patio furniture. It's worth three cents, but I will die for it. (laughs) I was so mad. Be furious. I would too. Are you allowed to drop clients like that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if, if she wasn't going to take my $100 bill offer, I was probably going to dump her because, <laughs> because what I had done everything here? I could. Yeah. You're wasting yeah. everyone's life. You really want to keep paying an attorney Over. by the hour to fight for something. Fine. Keep you, paying me. Yeah. Yeah. By wow, the time guys. you end up paying me, you could have bought 100,000 of these patio sets. <laughs> exactly. You could be giving them away as Christmas gifts. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that is really bizarre. Too much. Yeah. So, all right. Well, it's our tradition here to end every episode with a palate cleanser. Mm, okay. A nice little joke. Everybody forget about the murder we just discussed. So, I think, Ashley, you said you were going to bring a joke, right? Yeah. I like the look of shock sure. that just went on your face. <laughs> no, I, I, I've got it. <laughs> so, I normally have my eight-year-old pick it out, but he was... Uh, oh. He was unavailable this week. Sad. He was you know, had a busy he had, schedule. He did pencil in practice, joke time. You know, so <laughs> yeah. So I went through his joke book though to get this one. So it's kind of the same. So here's our palate cleanser. What do vegetarian zombies eat? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. What do they, they eat? eat? Grains. <laughs> That one, that's actually pretty good. I'm going to tell that to my son. I really love kid jokes. <laughs> They're always I the best. I love it so much. No. Kid jokes and dad jokes are just, they're gold. Best. Yeah. Grains. That's right. That, that's why I'm employed an eight-year-old. <laughs> exactly. For me. Yeah. When he's up for it. Exactly. So, well, that does it for my show. But if y'all will, again... Kind of just remind people who you are, where they can find you. I'll let you talk this time. (laughs) Um, We are a teacher in a crime scene tech walk into a bar podcast. We are available on every platform where you get your podcasts. Um, Mm -hmm. We would love for some of the KMH listeners to come check us out. Um, Brad's more professional than us. He probably does a little bit better job researching if you like um, true crime, he can probably read better than us. He definitely reads better than us. Did you? <laughs> but my show is is much less entertaining because it doesn't turn into a train wreck. Sometimes, <laughs> if you like true and crime, I, that is a train wreck. Yeah. 
I'm it like, we very entertaining. Uh, we would love for you to come listen and uh, we will at the end of every episode, spin the wheel of murder to determine our next topic. And Brad is going to come on our show soon and tell us all about a serial killer. Cause that's what the wheel said he had to do. That's right. If and you do listen, the wheel. <laughs> yes. If you do listen, though, start at the older episodes. Don't start at the beginning. I tell everyone that because they're really bad. No, yeah, start at the newest the first episodes. Spot. Please yeah. don't listen. No, to don't listen to number the ones. ones. I, I really wanted to listen to the newer ones. Yeah, me that's, too. <laughs> I think that's true for all podcasts, though. That's true. Um, you can follow us on social media, a teacher and a crime scene tech everywhere except for Twitter, where we are T A A C S T. Mm-hmm. And because they have the world's longest podcast, we name, surely so do. Yes, we do. <laughs> it's a mouthful to say every time. And yeah, it is. So, but yes, no, I'm excited to talk about serial Yay. killers. I've got a few in mind. Hopefully, they're ones y'all haven't covered before. We haven't done. Yes. We haven't done a lot of, super, done of serial killers. That's good. I know you did your coloring book episode that covered yeah, a couple. Yeah. But they weren't ones on my And list. I did that one guy. I forgot who it was, but it was like a, in the 1800s. Yeah. You got to yeah. be more specific you know, than that. <laughs> the, guy, the guy. That one yeah, guy. In the 1800s. And he killed some people. Who would, and yeah. Who, yeah. I forgot who it was, but I just know he was horrible. <laughs> I really don't need how much more detail you need. Uh, to I, this is one horrible man from the 1800s. Uh, <laughs> him. Yeah. But yes, if you can find Killing Miss and Hidden, you can find a teacher and a crime scene tech on mm-hmm. probably the same platforms. And they are very active on social media. And I listen to them every week, so y'all should too, because obviously I have very good taste. So, all right. I think we're done. All right. Um, That was fun. Thanks so much for inviting us to be some guests. That was awesome. No, we had fun. We appreciate y'all coming to visit our show. We can't wait to come visit your show. Yes. I'll be on time next time. (laughs) Sorry. We'll let you pick the time. And... uh, (laughs) We'll just work around your schedule since you're the diva of the group. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. (laughs) I'll set a better alarm next time. Yes. For real, we both have to. Yeah. Not all me. (laughs) Ashley, too. (laughs) And I was just sitting here staring at myself in my little window. But we got it done. We did. That's all that counts. So on behalf of, or as one of my high school teachers used to say, being mean is not nice. So everybody out there, please do something nice today. On behalf of Ashley and Talila, we love you all. We can't wait to have you join their podcast as listeners and not abandon my podcast as listeners. <laughs> no. <laughs> pre- pre- preferably stick with Brad. But <laughs> if you've got room in your schedule, squeeze them in. Yep, yep, yep. Well, thank you all for listening. And as always, Brad out. Thank you for listening to Kellen Missing Hidden.
sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.